fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the brand new pre-con that we got from Commander Legends. We talked about the first one uh, last week, which was Reap the Tide, and this one is Arm for Battle. It is a Boros Voltron deck. Lots of equipment, lots of enchantments that we're going to go over, and I actually... I feel like this one is a little bit more uh, under underwhelming than the Reap the Tides one, but I mean, it's still got some spicy little interactions we're going to talk about. And uh, before we get into the main topic of the podcast, we have our upkeep trigger to do. Paul, still, any magic to, to talk about here, buddy? Um, technically, I, I now have a new webcam and a new setup, so I will actually have a, a play, hopefully, uh, in our next episode. Uh, but for Hell this one, yeah. because I didn't actually have the setup ready in time, uh, I do not. Oh, so I actually got to go out and play Magic in person for the very first time since this whole thing started. That was uh, a lot of fun. It was very different. Um, we, you know, masks required being a little bit further apart than we usually would sit, um, but it was still a lot of fun. I played Golos and I won through Maze's End. It was a fantastic win. Uh, cause it was very, uh, someone got really, really had a massive, they had a really big board state. Let's say that. And yeah, it was pretty much really it. It was like, get the board set. He had the massive board set out. I had O stone on the, on the, on the field and was able to crack the O stone to wipe the board away and then go and get the last two gates I needed for the game and win. And I was like, cool, that was awesome. Let's do it again. You're a filthy animal. I am. <laughs> but the thing is, is I had that on, I had that on the field since turn three and didn't do anything with it and everyone just kept stacking up their boards and i was like they don't see my o stone so i'm just gonna be that player and just not say anything until like right when i was about to use it to then win the game i'd made sure i i put a fate counter on my gigantha so that i could still you know play golos and activate him if i needed to by just tapping my my uh gigantha the wallspring and uh yeah it was just it was a lot of fun and it was it was great to see the deck perform in the way that it was meant to uh that wasn't the mill strategy it was the the backup win con i mean i love like alternate win cons um i'm always about like you know the revel and riches wins and i mean mazes end just literally says you win the game and it was like all right tap three tap mazes and bounce it back to my hand win the game question mark and everyone's like yep well i can't do anything against that i have uh, i've i've had a uh a Guildgate win con, a Mazes End win con in my enchantment deck for the longest time and I've never been able to get it to work. You just gotta try harder. You need to play <laughs> more games. See, more games, more data, more consistency, and you'll get there, Paul. I believe in you. I just gotta work on the deck. It needs uh, some improvement. <laughs> yeah. Much like we're gonna do with this deck. So, do we wanna jump into the into the deck here with me, Paul? Please do. So, we're gonna talk about the commander here. The commander is Wyleth, Soul of Steel. He is a 1 and a red and a white for a 2-2 human warrior that has Trample and says whenever Wyleth, Soul of Steel attacks, draw a card for each aura and equipment card attached to it. The, I, I understand that they're trying to make like Boros card draw a thing, but I'll be honest, I think this is kind of a boring way to do it. But alas, it does accomplish the goal. So... I mean, um, I'm I did a playtest of this deck, and I was able to, like, draw six to seven cards every time I attacked with this thing. I mean, granted, that was a goldfish by myself on a website, but I mean, still, I was able to draw a ton of cards, and it's not something you really see in either of these colors. 
So starting off with the the card draw packet here, we're going to talk about because I mean, why not talk about you know what the commander wants to do? And that's the first one we're going to talk about here is Relic Seeker. So Relic Seeker is a one and a white for a two two human soldier with renown one, and that is when this creature deals combat damage to a player. If it isn't uh, renowned, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and it becomes renowned. When Relic Seeker becomes renowned, you may search your library for an equipment card, reveal it, put it to your hand, and then shuffle your library. So I guess maybe not so much of a uh, card draw as it is a way to tutor for a card to then put on your commander to then draw a card when he attacks. It's kind of a roundabout way of drawing a card. Yeah, I actually remember when this card came out, people were talking about, oh, well, it's like a Stoneforge Mystic, and I, I, I just remember shaking my head vigorously at that statement i was like ah, if only you knew <laughs> <laughs> so the next one actually says draw a card on it that is sram senior edificer he's a one and a white for a two two human oh sorry human he's a dwarf sorry dwarf advisor did you see that beard there's no way a human could grow a beard like that i just realized that's a beard <laughs> yeah. i always thought it was it like a blue like, handkerchief or something yeah it does look like a bit of a cravat but it's definitely a beard so he's a legendary dwarf advisor and says whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, draw a card. Uh, in this deck, we only have two of those three permanents. We have aura and equipment. Honestly, cards like this feel like less of a necessity given how many cards you expect your commander to draw. But having some redundancy with SRAM here is also pretty nice. And it's also a decent reprint because SRAM is a pretty popular equipment commander. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that as well, and it's it's also non-situational draw, so you don't have to, like, worry about attacking, and if there's no good attacks, then who are you going to attack, and is your commander going to die because of the attack? I mean, just having that, like like I said, like, non-situational draw, I think, is a lot better than relying on that one single way of drawing cards with, it, with your uh, commander. But the next one we have here, Paul, I think is a card that I kept thinking was a lot higher financial price than what it actually is and that is sunforger sunforger just seems such like such a strong effect to be like 49 cents at the time of recording so sunforger is a three mana artifact equipment that says equip creature gets plus four plus zero and has an activated ability of boros to unattach sunforger search your library for a red or a white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and cast that card without paying its mana cost then shuffle your library and has equipped three this card is probably one of the best if not the best boros equipments out there it can just give you access to like all of your removal uh if you have tutors in your deck for equipment like it can get those tutors so you tutor the tutor and cast the tutor and then tutor for an equipment it can actually get like enchantment and artifact removal this is just like such a great utility card that i would be shocked if there was a deck that played red and white and even if it didn't use equipment i would expect it to play this card because it really is just that good i really i think i have to agree with you on, on that one paul too because i mean i haven't seen it in much in like many decks but the decks that i've seen it in have absolutely abused it what's that that one that gains life for the amount of uh, for the spells that you cast uh, sunspeaker and fire song oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It was a powerhouse in that deck when I uh, when I saw that. Yeah, I mean, like, and even if you're in, let's say you're in like Jeskai, right? It can get counter. It can get the if you have like a red blue counter spell like counterflux or something. It can get that. So it, it becomes you know the more colors you have, the more versatile this card becomes. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. I didn't even think of that before. Hey, getting like counter spells that have white in them because there's a lot of counter spells that have blue and white in them. Yeah, you've got absorb. You've got uh, there's there's another one. I'm, I'm uh, render silent Dovin's is also, veto i believe yeah Dovin's veto render silent 
there's heaps of like blue and white um uh, counter spells but moving on from there we're going to go into our ramp package here and this is quite underwhelming again i don't know what another word to use besides that in the way that this this deck wants to ramp i mean it's got a soul ring i'm not going to talk about that one again it's got a boros signet again it's the two mana artifact you pay one mana tap it add boros to your mana pool it's got explorer scope it is a one mana uh equipment that says whenever equipped creature attacks look at the top card of your library if it's a land card you may put it into the battlefield tapped and has equip cost one it's actually a decent little card i didn't know this existed i don't think it's great but as far as other options go in these colors it's it's okay yeah i think in these colors i would have liked uh to see sort of the animist maybe get a reprint but i know that this is a it's a deck that's basically tied to commander legends and sort of animus sort of the animus wasn't in commander legends so i see why they used explorer scope instead but i mean i would like to see maybe sort of the animus in here as well well i mean there are cards in the pre-cons that are not printed in the regular set like arcane denial and counterspell are not in the regular set but they're in the green blue deck this deck a braid is not in the regular set but it's in this deck so i th they, they could have squeezed sort of the animus in here yeah i mean i feel like that would have been a better choice than uh than the explorer scope because that lets you search your library for a, a land card and put it at the battlefield tap instead of just looking at the top card and you mainly could be whiffing a lot of all the time as well right and it gets a little more interesting when you have shuffle effects so you can kind of like scry one each time you attack i don't know it's certain applications that are yeah, interesting i have to agree with that one the next one we have is core cartographer it is a three and a white for a two two core scout that says when core cartographer enters the battlefield you may search your library for a planes card and put it into the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library this is actually a pretty old card um this is ironically considered like ideal white ramp or some better white ramp it's it's like one of the only forms of land ramp that white has which is kind of sad when you think about it yeah yeah i just <laughs> maybe taking this out i don't know i just like none of these cards are just like yeah that is a powerhouse of a card you want to be playing because i mean for four mana in green you could be playing like cultivate which gets you a land of the field into your hand so you set up your next turn as well i don't want to spend this whole episode just you know ripping on how underwhelming white feels but i mean i just feel like maybe keeper of the accord could have been in this deck as well or i mean that's a card that you could add that we didn't put on our list but Keeper of the Accord could go in this deck as well. I mean, it can go in any deck that has white, so... <laughs> I agree with that. I feel like it's going to be... That is the way it's going to be. It's going to be, you play in white, all right, well, you need a Soul Ring, an Arcane Signet, you need Command Tower, and you also need a uh, Keeper of the Accord. And a Smothering Tithe. You play in white, you play in those five cards before you even pick your commander. I never play those cards in the hope that they get banned one day. <laughs> Smothering Tithe, I think, is on uh, is definitely on a discussion topic we're going to get into later um, in the future on, on the show. I mean, watch out for that one. It's coming in, down in the pipelines. So the next card we're going to talk about is Oresco's Explorer. It is a one and a white for a 2-2 cat scout that says, when Oresco's Explorer enters the battlefield, search your library for up to X plane cards, where X is the number of players who control more lands than you. Reveal those cards and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Uh, I cannot tell you the amount of times I've tried to make this card work in a deck with white. Like, I even tried it in Brago and in, in Chulain, and it, it, if it doesn't work there, it's not going to work. I don't <laughs> see how it would work in Chulain, because, I mean, when I play my deck, I usually have at least five to six more land cards than my opponents, unless they're playing specifically ramp like mana ramp green decks or like very 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 
like uh, uh significantly well put together ramp decks well this was in like my original build of, of uh Tulane where it was basically just like big beefy fatties and a couple of small dudes so it didn't ramp as I fast I... and i realized that it sucked so i uh, <laughs> i i have changed it since uh but i just want to say about this ramp package like pretty sure they could have done at least a little better than this because it, it is pretty bad you have borosing yeah, it and soul ring and one. then the rest of it is like eh, kind of core photographer is okay arrescos explorer like that that card can can go yeah there's nothing that really makes me go oh my god that is a fantastic inclusion i mean unlike we did with the last one where it was like so many high hitting uh reprints in that compared to this one we'll move into our, our recursion package here a little bit and we're going to talk about ironclad slayer so ironclad slayer is a two and a white for a three two human warrior that says when ironclad slayer enters the battlefield you may return target aura or equipment card from your graveyard to your hand deck definitely needs recursion recursion is important in any Voltron deck to get back the pieces that you've assembled over time. Ironclad Slayer happens to hit both relevant card types or and equipment, so that's pretty cool. Actually, I'll, I was going to make another comment, but I'll actually save it until after this next card. So the next card is Tanya Ship's Caretaker. She's a 3 red and a white for a 3-3 three, three Angel Artificer with Flying First Strike and says whenever an aura or equipment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Tiana is kind of like a removal magnet because if they want to deal with your stuff, they have to deal with Tiana first and they can't deal with everything at the same time because Tiana will still see everything else going to the graveyard. And it's, since it's a delayed trigger, you'll still get that stuff back. However, spoiler alert, this is the last piece of recursion that's in the base deck. Um, yeah. And as I said, it's extremely important for decks like this to have that recursion. And I promise you, once once we get to the cards that we're adding, I, I address this issue <laughs> because it is a glaring issue. Yeah, I think it was the biggest issue that I had with it was there was like, once you lose your pieces in the, in the pre-con, they're pretty much gone. And without those pieces, the deck really can't function. So we're going to talk about now is how to remove things on your opponent's side of the field in these colors. And spoiler alert, Paul already talked about one, but uh, is a braid. The first one to talk about is a braid. And that is one and a red for an instant that says, choose one. A braid deals three damage to target creature or destroy target artifact. I will tell you right now, you are not playing this card enough in Commander. Just saying. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really seen this card much in Commander. It kills a lot, and it's versatile. There's not. There, I've said this before, I'll say it like maybe every episode or two. Um, there's nothing more important in Commander than versatility because of it being a singleton format. It's just such a, a, a unique and helpful mechanic on a card, is its versatility. That's why cards like Cryptic Command or you know any of the charms see so much play, is because... They have that versatility. Uh, a braid. Yeah, a lot of modal spells you want to be playing in this deck. You want you want things with uh, low floor, high ceilings. Right, and a braid like three damage kills a surprising amount of stuff in commander. Uh, lightning bolt is actually a playable card, and uh, being able to also like shatter an artifact is pretty good as well, especially in the mirror match. Wink, wink. <laughs> so the next one we're going to talk about is condemn. It is a one single white pip for an instant that says put target attacking creature on the bottom of its owner's library its controller gains life equal to its toughness another card that does not see as much play as it used to uh back when the tuck rule 
was still a thing. Um, Condemn was a lot better because people would just put your commander on the bottom of your deck and then you said, okay, GG. Um, nowadays, it doesn't see as much play, but it's still a one mana removal spell. And it gets around indestructibility. So I think it's still a playable card, honestly. And I'm, I'm actually glad to see it here. Because one mana removal was premium. Yeah, my only thought would have been maybe taking this out for a path to exile. But Believe it or not, I, mean, I, did I still that. I still play Condemn. What was that? Believe it or not, I did actually have Path to Exile as one of the possible includes. I was not going to take out Condemn for it, but yeah. um, it is a, obviously Path to Exile is a very good card. Oh yeah, and it was it's in Commander Legends, right? No, it was just printed in Double oh. Masters. Okay, so it's still pretty cheap. It's still pretty accessible. I mean, if you don't like Condemn, you can always add a Path a Path to Exile. It's only a few bucks right now, to be honest. Yeah, instead of like the ten dollars it used to be. Right. Yeah, actually, at, at the highest I ever saw, it was like 12 or 13 bucks. And I'm like, okay, it's not wow. coming. Let's chill out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's played so heavily in modern, which is why it's so high in price. The next guy I want to talk about in the removal packet here is Disenchant. So Disenchant is a one and a white that for an instant that says destroy target artifact or enchantment. The OG with some really cool art. Yeah, really cool art. Like, that's actually, like, really cool. I think we've talked about this next card uh, a little bit on the podcast here before, and that is Generous Gift. It is the color-shifted Beast Within. So it is two and a white for an instant that says destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 green elephant creature token. You don't really get much better removal than that in white. Oh, God, no. It just destroys a target permanent straight up. Just nothing can survive its wrath. Right, and I've said this before, but I would say that Beast Within is more of a color-shifted generous gift, even though it came first. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said that last time as I well. I think I did, actually, in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what about uh, what about Jaya's Immolating Inferno? How do you feel about that one? I actually like this card a lot. Um, I think I own a single copy, and I can't remember where I play it. I think I play it in my Storm deck, in case I generate infinite mana and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, like... Having a legendary out in order to cast it, it's legendary sorcery, by the way. That's just the ruling on that. You have to have a legendary yeah. creature or a planeswalker. Uh, in Commander, so, that's not really that big of an issue. Yeah, it's a legendary sor- sorcery. It's X, red, red. Um, Jai's Immolating Inferno deals X damage up to three targets. Right, and it's not distributed, by the way. So if you if you pay three for X, it deals three to three targets. Bear in mind that's players, uh, planeswalkers, creatures, etc. Yeah, anything that can target a target. <laughs> Um, the next one we're going to talk about here is Return to Dust. Return to Dust is a two white white instant that says exile target artifact or enchantment. If, if you cast this during your main phase, you may exile up to one other target artifact or enchantment. I think I've said enough about this card in the past that I probably shouldn't talk about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what about Swords to Plowshares? That is the one mana exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. I will only say one thing about this card, uh, because we've talked yep. about it many times before, and I'll just repeat what we usually say is that you can never have enough copies of this card, but what I like about this particular printing of it is they finally use the FNM promo art on a different, on a non-promo card, and I love that art. Yeah, I love it too. It's the guy with the sword and then like shifting into a the guy club. with the, the, the golf club. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the first time I've, I've had that art referred to as the golf as the golf art. <laughs> um, so the next one we have, we talked about modal spells before, but what about uh, what is these? What are these? Um, split cards. Split cards, yeah. Yeah, the wear and tear. So wear is one in a red, destroy target artifact, and tear is one white, destroy target enchantment. Uh, and this one has fuse. Yes. So this one has fuse. So you may cast one 
or both halves of this card from your hand. Not every split card has that rule. Yeah. Only the ones that say fuse on it do. And they're the ones that came from, is this Dragon's Maze? Yes, this was Return of Ravnica Block. The set in particular, this one was from is Dragon's Maze. Yes, Dragon's Maze. Um, and uh-huh. it, that mechanic, I something's right, Paul. That mechanic is actually unique to that block. You do not see fuse and on any other split cards. So if it's not from that block, it does not have fuse. Uh, but Wear and Tear, uh, really, honestly, like one of the best Boros artifact slash enchant removal spells that they've ever made. Uh, you can have one target or you can have two targets and it's only three mana to do both. It's one red-white. Uh, if if they were to print a card that's that was one red white, destroy target artifact and destroy target enchantment, you'd probably play that. Like that's a good card. But being able to have yeah, the versatility to does. only cast one is pretty unique. Um, and I know that we have a lot of like exile removal for enchantments and artifacts nowadays. But like James said, the versatility is really important, and I value that a little more than the fact that it exiles in most cases. Yeah, I mean. The ability to kind of pick what you want to do at the time of when you need it. You don't know if you're going to need need the removal part. Uh, sorry, the removal part. They're both removal. You don't know if you're going to need to, like, destroy an artifact or if you need to destroy an enchantment that's kind of, like, running a mark. Like, is the, you know, is the blue combo player drawing too many cards with, um, Aristic Study? Get rid of it for one white mana, you know? I mean yeah they'll probably end up maybe getting a card off you because of the ristic study trigger but i mean still for one mana and maybe someone else getting a card or even just at that point paying the extra one so one and one and a blue uh, sorry one and a white to destroy a uh a ristic study i think is really good and then also we need to get rid of like a problematic um enchant sorry a problematic artifact for one and a, and a red, you get rid of that as well. And I mean, the ability to do it at instant speed when someone's about to combo off, especially in these colors, I think this card is just really underplayed and needs to be played in a lot more decks. I'm, I'm now questioning the viability of a modal card only deck. We have enough modal cards, <laughs> especially with uh, Zendikar. With Zendikar Rising coming out, there were so many modal cards, so many good playable mod- modal cards in that set that I think we could probably end up playing a deck that has, you know, 99 modal cards. <laughs> um, the next one we're going to talk about here is Winds of Wrath. So Winds of Wrath is a three white, white sorcery that says destroy all creatures that aren't enchanted. They can't be regenerated. Most of the time, this will be pretty much everything except your commander, which is exactly what you want. Um, I've... Talked about the value of one-sided board wipes before. There's not really much else I can say about it that I haven't said already. Play more one-sided board wipes. Like, just straight up. Just play more asymmetrical board wipes. I mean, if, if, if something affects your opponents more than it affects you, play it. Get it in the deck. Do some damage. Win some games. There's not much else to really say about that one, is there? Mm, not particularly. <laughs> so we, we, we kind of went on about modal spells, Paul. We're going to move into our protection package here. And guess what the first card is? Oh, is it a modal spell? It is. It's Boros Charm. So Boros Charm is, I guess it's Boros Colors. For an instant, that says choose one. Boros Charms deal four damage to target player or planeswalker. Permanents you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Or target player gain, uh, sorry, target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Most of the time you're using the second mode on this, but this is one of the rare situations or rare charms where... Every single mode on it is actually one that you'll wind up using at some point. Especially like the double strike one, that can come in handy in Commander. Dealing four damage to a Planeswalker, especially when you're a Boros deck, you don't really want to waste damage on non-players. So you can sometimes just like axe a Planeswalker for two mana. It's a really, it's one, it's probably the 
one of the better charms that came out of that set, if not the best. It's it, it sees a lot of play. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I think it is one of the best, but like the best ones. Yeah, definitely. Um, this next one though is also a charm spell that I don't think I've seen before, and I want to say it's new, but I could be very, very wrong. That is Dawn Charm. So it is one and a white for an instant that says choose one, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn, uh, or regenerate target creature. Or counter target spell that targets you. Probably not using this for the counter feature very often. By the way, this card is from Future Side, I believe. So it is an older card. Um, most of the time, you're probably using this to regenerate your commander. Uh, if there's one thing I can say before we go through the rest of this protection package about this precon, as poor as like the ramp package and the drawing is and whatever, uh, its protection suite is actually pretty good. Like they knew that you would need your commander out and they did. I think they did a decent job of putting stuff in here to make sure that it sticks around. Yeah, no, I feel like they, they definitely did as well. Sorry, I was just Googling Dawn Charm because I believe, I could be very wrong here, but the Commander Legends version has a typo on it. So if you look at the card, the they're missing a space between the word that and would. Yeah, uh, I noticed that actually. Um, <laughs> kind of unfortunate. So I just I had to go and make sure that it wasn't just the version that was uploaded to uh, to Architect, but it's definitely on all of the versions of uh, of of the Commander Legends version of Dawn of Dawn Charm, and I think that's that's pretty cool. That'll like probably you don't really ever see that. That'll probably get. Fit. I mean, the last time we saw something like that, I think was with the uh, the mo- the old Monarch tokens, like the first print run of that, because uh, it said at the beginning of UUN step. Yes, I remember that because yeah. I remember you showed me one time when we were when we were playing back at BAM. Yeah, um, that was that was great. <laughs> this will probably get <laughs> fixed in later print runs of this set, I would guess. Um, I'm sure they've been made maybe, aware of it. Maybe not. Who knows? I'll have to maybe tweet at Gavin and ask him. So the next card we're going to talk about here, real quick, is uh, Deflecting Palm. That is a card that I think I have seen cast maybe two or three times. And every time it does, it just comes out of nowhere and has won a game maybe once or twice. So Deflecting Palm is Boros for an instant that says, The next time a source of uh, a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, Deflecting Palm deals that much damage to that source's controller. Um, there's, I mean, like, the text pretty much says it all, but I do want to point out that this card does get around Hexproof and Shroud, so if somebody's hiding behind, like, a beefy, protected dude, you just get to, you know... Smack it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you deal some damage to it, smack it, kill it, move on. <laughs> or just deal it directly to their face and just get do player removal. No, it, uh, the damage only goes to their face, you don't have a choice. Oh. It goes to the source's Damn. controller. Damn. <laughs> Reading cards is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Timely Ward is our next card, and that is two and a white for an enchantment aura that says you may cast this spell as though it had flash if it targets a commander. Enchant creature, enchanted creature has indestructible. Amazing card. Just gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> like, super amazing card. Like, that is just... That's one of the new cards from this set, right? Like, not this set, but like this precon, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. That's just... That's what White Voltron really needed was a way to give a creature indestructible at flash speed for three mana too. Yeah, it's only a couple bucks right now. I think this one might actually shoot up because it's only in the precon. I guess you can get it in collector's packs as well, actually. Yeah, maybe just spec on a couple of the uh, the precons there and hold them. <laughs> just in case this card do- does become the powerhouse and just drives up the price significantly. Looking at you, Gabby. So what about, uh, what was that? Looking at you, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, that free counter spell is ridiculous. So the next one is Unbreakable Formation. It is a two and a white for an instant that says creatures you control gain indestructible to end of turn and has addendum. If you cast this spell during your main phase, put a plus one plus one counter on each of those creatures and they gain vigilance until end of turn. You're generally not getting this for addendum value unless you're trying to make a real power play. Uh, but it is like, you know, it's three mana. It's, it's no Teferi's protection, but it, you know, it, it will protect your guys. I think I play this actually in my Atraxa build because of the fact that it gives plus one plus one counters as well. Um, I mean, it protects your whole... So for three mana, right? For instant speed, it protects your whole board, right? Yeah, it's... You know. we, we just said how good Timely Ward was, and that was just, just doing your commander. So I mean, I think Unbreakable Formation is a very decent card in this deck, and there's a lot of ways to give your, your, your permanents or your creatures indestructible, and this is another fantastic way of doing it. I mean, like you said, I wouldn't cast this just for the addendum if you had maybe if you wanted to get that and give your extra plus and plus encounter and vigilance i mean you're just getting free free value out of that then the thing about timely ward though is that it's an enchantment so just stick around so your commander will keep having indestructible uh, unbreakable formation is only till end of turn yeah no but sometimes you only need like that one extra turn of like indestructibility where you can punch through your to your opponents and win the game true enough so i mean i'm looking at it, its floor i'm looking at its ceiling and i think it can still do a lot of a lot of fun stuff Especially in like like where where this where the power level of, of this of this deck needs to be and where or where it will be is like that kind of five to six maybe seven range if we can get it up there. I mean, obviously, you'd be able to if you had l l more of a budget to put cards into it, you can make this thing easily a nine. Right, um, right. We just we just didn't want to do that. So we have Valorant's Stance next, and Valorant's Stance is a one and a white for an instant that says choose one. Target creature gains indestructible until end of turn, or destroy target creature with toughness four or greater. Again, another way of giving indestructible to creatures. Yeah, I'm just gonna say modal spell, and I think we can move on from there because, like, yeah, I, I don't need to repeat the <laughs> this the same spiel over and over again. <laughs> How good modal spells are! All right, we're gonna go into our instant spells here now. We only have a couple of them. We have the first one we have is expedite. That is a one red mana for an instant. That says target creatures gain haste until end of turn. Draw a card. Red cantrip. I didn't really know where to place this one, so it's just sitting here. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those like I don't know. It's a powerhouse in other in other red decks, and this one it's pretty good. You know, you can play it uh, turn whenever. You know, draw a card off it, gain some haste, do some damage. You you kind of get the gist of where you want to be playing this one. Fists of Flame is our next card, and that is one and a red that says draw a card until end of turn. Target creature gains trample and plus one plus zero for each card you've drawn this turn. I had actually cut this card originally, but then I realized the synergy it has with Byleth, where you basically attack, you let his trigger resolve, you draw like, you know, six cards or whatever, then you fist a flame to give him, you know, at least plus six plus zero, if not more, with trample. And trample. Yeah. Oh, actually, he already has trample. I just noticed that. Did you know he has that keyword? Uh, yes. I did not know. <laughs> no. As the way that I said yes, it was really <laughs> meant it, it really meant no. I didn't I didn't actually mean I didn't catch that he had trample. I mean I I might have said it at the start of the episode. I'm pretty sure I did, but I was just like, yeah, he's got trample, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, so we can talk about Teema Battle Rage next. And that is a one and a red for an instant that says Tiger Creature gains double strike until end of turn and has ferocious. That creature also gains trample until end of turn if you control a creature with four or more power. Um, in case you don't know what double strike and trample do, 
they uh, wreck face. Um, usually, when something yeah, when somebody blocks something with double strike, uh, it will block all the damage. But if it has trample, then whatever damage would have been assigned still gets assigned anyway. So if they block, let's say Wildlet is like a five five, they block with a three three. They take two from the first strike damage, and they still take the five from the second from the, the double strike. So double strike is actually pretty important for this deck in particular, and there's actually quite a few ways of granting double strike. There are actually, uh, and one of them isn't the next way, to, isn't the next card, but that is White Sun Zenith. So White Sun Zenith is a X white 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 instant spell that says create X two two. White cat creature tokens shuffle White Sun Zenith into its owner's library. This one literally does not fit at all. It's just a decent card, so I, I did not <laughs> choose to cut it. Uh, but that being said, there's really like no category to put it into. It just kind of exists. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh no, I don't have a big enough board state to stop a you know a token deck. Well, I can create some tokens real quick and um, kind of block, really. Or I need a little bit of extra damage. I can create them on my opponent's end step and then swing out with some cats next turn it's kind of kind of doesn't really fit the theme of the deck unless like because i i guess the whole theme of the deck for me is like going voltron and just stacking up wyleth full of equipments and auras and swinging in drawing as many cards as possible right. this just kind of feels like a bit of a, a flavor fail for my like just for my personal taste I mean, it's like it's a decent pre-con card i wouldn't say it's a bad card oh i'm not saying it's a bad card like like don't don't get me wrong i'm not saying like never never play white sun zenith i just saying like i feel like in this pre-con i think it doesn't really lend itself to the strategy that this deck wants to go for yeah but i think uh, uh, considering that the decks are meant to be played against each other i think this deck needed a way of getting like repeated value yeah so i i would guess that's the reason why it's included here because i mean you look at reap the tides and that thing just has repeatable value coming out of its you know yeah coming out of every single card that you play you always get something out of it later on as well right. so the next card we talk about here is wild ricochet we have talked about this card on the podcast uh back in taking calamax to the max but wild ricochet is two red red for an instant that says you may choose new targets for target instant or sorcery spell then copy that spell you may choose new targets for the copy if i was to cut one more card from this deck this would be the card yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think the only only thing I'd want to wild ricochet would be like someone's ramp spell, someone's like big uh you know what is it? Um not ex maybe expropriate, but exsanguinate. You know, if you can wild ricochet someone's win con spell, like if they do a really big um torment of hailfire, you can kind of take it off them and win that way as well. I mean, it has its applications, but again, I just think it's it's really weird being in this deck. And I think it was just in the deck because, again, you said that they, these these decks are supposed to go up against each other. And the Reap the Tides deck just wants to ramp and ramp hard and ramp fast. Mm -hmm. And the only way they could really make this deck kind of, you know, catch up was to give it ways to copy spells. Right. The next thing we want to talk about here is just another uncategorized, um, just, there are only two cards, but they're uncategorized. We didn't know where to put them, but this is, this is the creature package and it's, it's two cards, man. Like it's, it's Brass <laughs> Squire, which is a three mana artifact creature mirror for a one, it's a one three that has an activated ability of tap, attach target equipment you control to target creature you control. 
a lot of equipment have very high equip costs, and being able to cheat that is nice. And that's really all that's, that there is to say about this thing. Yeah, I don't really have anything else really to say about this one because, I mean, it's all on the card. You tap it, you move an equipment over to wherever you want it to be. A lot of the, a lot of some of the cards in here have a decent equip cost. Something you really want, to, you really wouldn't want to pay, and we kind of like kind of leaned into that strategy a little bit more of how to get artifacts out onto the field and equipped for free. So kind of another little spoiler to our new edition segment we'll do near the end of the episode. Um, and the next one we have here in the creature package is Danitha Capuchin Paragon. This is basically, um, it's a discounter for your aura and equipment, but she's also kind of a backup win con in and of herself. Yeah. I mean, she's two and a white for a 2-2 human knight with first strike, vigilance, lifelink, auras and equipment spells you cast cost one less to cast. I mean, she's she's pretty fun. I mean, I used to play her back in Standard when I played Standard. Um, please don't judge me on my format of choice back in the day <laughs> when I was playing on Arena. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, okay, all right. Awkward. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst, man. I had no one to really play Magic with, so it was. I'll just play Arena, and I wasn't very good, and I only played the precons they gave me with slight upgrades, and it was it was okay. Definitely nothing to what, like, mythic status on Arena is like. Definitely more just kitchen table jank. Alright, and with that, we're going to move into our combat phase here, where we're going to hear a message from our sponsors right now. Welcome back from that ad break. Uh, were you guys playing this precon? How many cards did you draw with your commander? I hope it was at least 15 cards. Like, that's the amount of cards you want to be drawing with this deck on a combat phase. About 15 to 20. That's my goal when I play this deck. So we're going to jump back into here with uh, the enchantments. We only have five enchantments. And I did, like, go through and have a look. And there's no enchantments in our cut list. So for a precon that really cares about artifacts, uh, sorry, equipments and auras, they only give you five. Maybe six. They give they yeah they give you six. It doesn't really seem that like that much though. So the first one is Faith Unbroken. Faith Unbroken is a one and a white enchantment aura that says enchant creature you control. When Faith Unbroken enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until Faith Unbroken leaves the battlefield. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two. Uh yes, this is technically removal, but I didn't want to really separate the enchantments because there weren't that many of them, so I kind of wanted to just keep them clustered together. Uh, it's also a pretty unique little aura here and this actually might be one of the unique cards to the precon i'm not entirely sure but it's a really um, cool enchantment i think it may be um no it's not ah okay uh timely ward is one the commander is one and there is an artifact that is one i believe gotcha don't quote me on that i only know that because architect has this thing where if it's not out yet it gives you a red border around the card and there's the three cards that have a red border around them ah fair enough besides like um, some of our new additions actually also have red borders around them, so I could be very wrong in that. <laughs> Let's say that I'm wrong, maybe. Oh no, you're actually probably right, because that, that equipment you're talking about has, that first line of text is very suggestive of the precon card. But uh, we'll get to that when we come to it. Yeah. So, the next one we have is On Sarah's Wings. It is a three and a white for a legendary enchantment aura that says, Enchant creature enchanted creature is legendary gets plus one plus one and has flying vigilance and lifelink all very relevant keywords very good to put on wireless obviously um not really much else to say about that <laughs> i don't know how i feel about making it a legendary i mean it, i know it's already a legendary like so don't get me wrong like 
haha ha, it's funny but it makes your non-legendary creatures legendary as well if you don't put it on your commander it kind of feels really weird but it's a singleton format true true <laughs> but but what if you were to steal someone else's creature that yours is now a legendary i don't know just don't, don't know steal it. this one <laughs> it's just such a weird keyword to give to to a card is like it makes it legendary well, if you steal someone else's, you just sacrifice theirs to the legendary rule. See, now that makes a lot more sense, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sigarda's Aid is our next card, and that is a one-mana enchantment that says you may cast aura and equipment spells as though they had flash. When an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. Amazing card, amazing reprint. I think this card is actually getting quite expensive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's definitely going down in price. I think it's like $2 now because of Commander Legends. Um, but yeah, there's not really much to say about this one. Being able to cast ores and equipments with Flash is amazing. Casting anything with Flash is amazing, but, uh, oh, yeah. you know. And the ability to do it in white as well. Like, this is usually a thing we see with, like, uh, I mean, Vidalcan's Ori does it, but, I mean, Vidalcan Ori is also a $40 card. Thanks, uh, Josh, for that one. <laughs> Josh Lee Kwai definitely rose the price of a uh, of the Vidalcan Ori over his six-year span of doing the Command Zone podcast. Uh, Spirit Mantle here is our next card, and that is a one and a white uh, for an enchantment aura that says Enchanted Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has protection from all from creatures not all creatures but from creatures not much to say about this card that it's not printed on it already that's going to be the case with a lot of these enchantments because well that's just how enchantments work they, they do their yeah. thing and they just sit there and keep doing their thing uh, protection from creatures means that you can't be blocked which is a pretty useful thing in commander especially when you're especially, you don't want your commander to be blocked especially in a uh, a deck that wants to be voltron and smack face precisely Maybe what we should do, Paul, is pick up these pre-cons, add our new additions to them, and play them against each other in a pot of four, obviously, and see how we go. It's not a bad idea. Dev's on green-blue, by the way. Uh, we could at least flip for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next one is Unquestioned Authority. Is a two and a white for a equipment aura, again, <laughs> funny, because we're in the equipment section, or the yeah enchantment aura section, sorry. Enchant creature, when unquestioned authority enters the battlefield, draw a card. Enchanted creature has protection from creatures. Same thing as Spirit Mantle, but plus one mana and you get to cantrip it. So, whatever I said about Spirit Mantle, insert here. Yep. <laughs> Copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into, essentially, this is the way you draw cards in the deck, because every one of these will draw you a card when you swing with your commander, and that is the artifacts. I believe... Looking at the list here real quick, just going over to my head, every single one of these is an equipment. Because I did move Soul Ring from here, it was in the wrong spot, and I moved it into the ramp, the ramp slot. Um, and yes, every single one of these is an equipment. So if you have all these on your commander, that'll draw you 12 cards. With the other things on there, you have a potential of drawing, you know, 12 plus 6. Quick math, Paul. I mean, it's not going to happen. On average, 18. On average, you'll probably draw about 3 cards. Yeah, but I mean, you can let us dream, can't you? I mean, draw sure, absolutely. Cards. If you can manage to get every single equipment <laughs> in your deck out onto the battlefield. And then not have, and have <laughs> enough uh, cards in library where you can't get milled or you die to milling or, you know, you get decked or something. So, I mean, yeah, okay. Alright, just ruin my dreams there, mate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so the first one is Blackblade Reforged. It is a two-mana legendary artifact equipment that says equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each lands you control. 
has equipped legendary creature three and equipped seven. This is actually like, this is a really good reprint because I think this one was actually creeping up in price a little bit. Uh, you're gonna have, let's say on average, about seven lands, eight lands in the late game, probably more honestly, but we're assuming for the really bad cases here too. Uh, so getting plus seven, plus seven, like that's already representing a three turn clock if nothing changes, right? Yeah. Almost a two turn clock. So just a really good equipment, especially for commander, and really glad to see it here. Well, even if it's only five, that'd be a, a that'd be a three turn clock because Wireless is already a two two. So making him a seven seven swinging three times, that's commander damage out the door. Done. See you later. On to the next game. Don't let the door so hit you with the good lord split you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the next one we have is Blazing Sunsteel, and that is a one and a red for a an artifact equipment. That says, equipped creature gets plus one, plus zero for each opponent you have. Whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to any target and has equipped four. I think that this card is actually one of the worst equipments in the deck. Ooh. It has some interesting implications with, well, obviously, things that deal damage. Uh, but it doesn't prevent the damage, it doesn't reduce the damage, it still takes that damage, so you're still losing your commander. And it would have to be a your commander would have to take a pretty significant amount of damage to make this thing actually scary. Uh granted, it does deal that damage to any target, so you can like remove creatures with it, or whatever the case may be, or planeswalkers. Smack someone in the face for a little bit of extra damage if they want to chump block you. But like the point where you start caring about this thing is at uh I guess if you're dealing like six damage that's that's the point where it's like a little spooky and how often is your commander going to be taking six damage now i'm no mathematician um is that a joke i'm not a mathematician i'm a teacher <laughs> um <laughs> you are a math teacher though but i really don't think you'll be taking that much damage usually like i think most of the time you'll probably be it'll, it'll probably be taking like three or four and it really doesn't yeah. do much at that point plus on average this thing will be giving plus three plus zero for a total investment of six mana. I don't know. I don't think it's great. Um, it would need to be played and tested to verify that, but it doesn't seem great on the surface. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm at the same point with this card as you are. What about the next card, Paul? The next card is Bone Splitter. So Bone Splitter is a one mana artifact equipment that says equipped creature gets plus two plus zero and has equipped cost of one. This deck loves cheap equipment with cheap equip costs. Loves it. Because that just means that it's it's that much sooner that you get to start drawing cards, you draw into your bigger equipment, and then you can start, you know, snowballing from there. Uh, Bone Splitter does exactly that very perfectly, and I guess there's not really much to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Another way of giving uh, Double Strike is through the equipment card here, Fire Streaker. Fire Streaker is a three-mana artifact equipment that says, Equip Creature has Double Strike, Equip 2. Again, not much to say about that. Wyleth loves Double Strike. We love Wyleth. So ergo, we love Double Strike. <laughs> what about Haunted Cloak? Now, I knew before we started recording, you were talking to me about, about this card. Uh, Haunted Cloak is a three-mana artifact equipment that says, Equipped Creature has Vigilance, Trample, and Haste, and Equipped 1. Let me tell you all about one of the best commons in Commander Legends. It's Haunted Cloak. <laughs> like th th This card is like, it's Swiftfoot Boots plus one mana. Obviously, you don't get Hexproof. You get two other uh, keywords. But the haste is really what you go for usually. The protection is nice, don't get me wrong. But the haste. And it's only an equip of one. That's extremely important. Most other things that grant haste, the equip is like two or three or whatever the case may be. 
it's just one. So once you get this on the field, it it it, it can give haste very cheap. Um, not to mention it is colorless. Previously, the only other ways really had to give haste with colorless cards was like uh, Crashing Drawbridge, uh, which is two mana and you had to wait a turn. This one you can equip right away. Uh, you know, we have the, obviously the old boots like Lightning Greaves and uh, Swiftfoot boots. And I just think like there are certain creatures that don't normally have access to Trample that would very much enjoy Trampling. This deck obviously isn't one of them, but uh, if this was in, say, the green-blue deck, Terrasty Nasty, who complained to not have Trample last Ooh. time, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, you can always find a place to slot that in. And with it being a common... How many copies did you open up with your two boxes? Uh, I didn't actually count, but I want to say, like, maybe a playset, maybe a little more. Ooh, that's actually not bad. That's not bad. With how many commons there are, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, there's so many commons in that set, but, I mean, yeah. has to be, because it's draftable. And I cannot wait to draft this set. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to say that every episode until I've drafted the drafted the uh, the set. <laughs> so, the next card we have here, real quick, is Hero's Blade. Hero's Blade is a two-mana artifact equipment that says, Equip creature gets plus three, plus two. Whenever a legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach Hero's Blade to it and has an equip cost of 4. Ideally, you don't want to be paying that 4, and most of the time you won't, because conveniently enough, this curves perfectly into Wyleth. You play this on 2, uh, next turn you play Wyleth, and suddenly Wyleth is now a 6-5. Or, sorry, a uh, 5-4. And, yeah. you know, things that can cheat mana, yeah. co mana costs are pretty good. This uh, this essentially cheats you four mana because it saves you the equip cost, and then next turn you're suddenly attacking with a five four and drawing a card, at least a five four I should say. Yeah, it's pretty nuts how good this card is in this deck. That's actually a card that I think I want in um in my rider list. That wouldn't be too bad in that in in that deck. It'd be okay because I, I know the next card is in that list, and that's Loxodon Warhammer, or maybe it was in that list. I can't remember. I know we did a lot of changes throughout like the renditions <laughs> of, of that deck. At one point, it was a Voltron deck. So, Loxodon Warhammer is a 3-mana artifact equipment that says Equip Creature gets plus 3, plus 0, and has Trample and Lifelink for Equip 3. The reason why you play this card mainly is for the Lifelink. Uh, Lifelink is pretty important, especially, you know, in a Voltron deck where people are going to be hating you out and you kind of need to gain that life back. So, Loxodon Warhammer does that uh, just fine. Uh, the next one is Mask of Avacyn. Mask of Avacyn is a 2-mana artifact that says equipped creature gets plus one, plus two, and has hexproof, and has equipped three. I didn't actually know that this card existed, but it's like pretty mediocre. Really? Yeah. Oh wow, that was a card. This is a card that I've, I've known existed. I've had it played against me a couple of times. It's not been like, oh my god, I have to get rid of like the Mask of Avacyn, but it's definitely been a bit of a like a thorn in my side when when playing against it. Yeah. Um. Like, the, the hexproof is kind of a irreplaceable effect. Um, I didn't really realize that there was like a different way of granting it. Um, or at least I didn't know that this particular way existed. I knew there are cards that granted it, but not another equipment that did that. Yeah, it's usually just the boots that we use to give hexproof and shroud. Yeah, and then there's also Champion's Helm from Kamigawa, but that card's pretty expensive oh, now. Yeah. It's like 20 bucks. We'll see that getting reprinted in maybe Commander Legends 2. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe even, even Modern Horizons 2, maybe. We don't know. We, we don't know. Who knows? But what I do know is this next card, Ring of Thune, is a two-mana artifact equipment that says equipped creature has vigilance. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on equipped creature if it's white, and it has an equip cost of one. It's actually one of my favorite cycles ever. I love the ring cycle, and actually the next card we're going to talk about is another one in that cycle. Um, 
you want me to read that one before yeah, I may as well. into your yeah. love of the ring cycle? Yeah. Cool. So the next one is Ring of Valkus. It is a two-mana artifact, and this one gives haste and also gives a plus and plus encounter if the creature is red with the same equip cost of one. Uh, the ring cycle, so they all grant a keyword based on the color, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, if the equipped creature is of that color, so white, red, black, blue, green, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. They all do the, the same thing, basically. It's the same templating. Uh, but the unique thing about them is that they're each colorless. Even though it specifies a color on the card, since it doesn't use the symbol, they're colorless. So you could run Ring of Valkus, the red ring, in your mono black deck if you need a taste. Uh, I think the blue one gives Hexproof, if I'm not mistaken, although I might be incorrect on that. Uh, and if you wanted Hexproof, you could run that in your mono green deck, even though it says blue on it. So I actually feel like these rings should probably be looked into a little bit more, um, but I digress. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can go ahead and move on from there. So, yeah, I'm just looking into it real quick now for you. Um, yeah, the blue ring gives Hexproof, the green ring gives trample, and the black ring gives the creature an activated ability of two to regenerate equipped creature. Yeah, so they're like they're pretty good effects on a two mana artifact that equips for one. Yeah, I didn't even know the ring cycle even existed. Honestly, is that bad? <laughs> Not really. I only knew about them because of the, my uh, my. I started with Duels of the Planeswalkers on Xbox. Oh, okay. And th those cards yeah, are all cool. over the place there. Oh, all right, right. So, I don't think the next card really needs an introduction, Paul, but it's Swiftfoot Boots. Yeah, let's just move on. Everyone really knows Swiftfoot <laughs> Boots. Um, the next one is Sword of Vengeance. It is a three-mana artifact that says, Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has first strike, vigilance, trample, and haste, and has an equipped cost of three. This is an equipment that they pack into like every precon they can. I'm not entirely sure why, but I guess it at least makes sense here. It has been in precons before where it was absolutely awful and made absolutely no sense. But at least here you want the equipment. Yeah, it kind of seems like um, a different version of Loxodon on Warhammer. I mean, it gives it one less, you know, instead of being a plus three plus zero, it's a plus two plus zero. It gives you an extra keyword. Uh, I think it actually gives you an extra two keywords, doesn't it? Yeah, so there's no lifelink, uh, but you get first yeah, strike, vigilance, and haste instead. Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's still pretty good. I can see why it's it's become like the precon king of just being thrown in, you know, a three mana artifact. <laughs> uh, turn, play it on turn three. The next turn you play something, you can equip it to something else, swing out. I mean, I get it, but I think in this deck it actually makes a lot more sense right. than if it was just thrown in like a Simic deck or uh, or an Orzov deck or just any other deck in general. Um, but now we have come to the part of the episode where we're going to talk about the cards that we cut from the deck so we did the same thing we did with the the reap the tides deck we took 10 cards out we replaced them with 10 cards we had about a 30 dollar limit and this one came in significantly lower than the reap the tides version so uh paul did you just want to go through quickly the 10 cards that you decided to cut out of this deck and why yes sure thing so comet storm because it is comet storm moving on no i'm joking i'll explain that <laughs> uh comet storm doesn't really fit any archetype of this deck uh it's just kind of like I think they intended it as removal, but it's extremely inefficient, and so I took it out just because it was a little too clunky. Uh, dual Caster Mage, same reasoning. Um, it's just too... It doesn't really match anything that the deck is trying to do. The reason why I kept Wild Ricochet over Dual Caster Mage is because Wild Ricochet at least can redirect a removal spell that an opponent's trying to cast on you, but Dual Caster Mage will just copy it. Uh, Flicker Wisp. Don't know why it was in this deck to begin with, to be honest. Uh, Martial Coup. Again, it's a uh, yes, this is a board wipe, but 
the other board wipe that was in this deck, which was Winds of Wrath, is just way better because uh, it's more one-sided. And Marshall Q just didn't really fit the theme of anything here. Audric, Lunark Marshall. This deck doesn't really want to make a lot of creatures, and so granting all your creatures keywords doesn't really make sense because the only thing you care about having keywords is your commander. Um, Response, Resurgence. This is an extra combat spell. Deck did not really need it. It didn't really fit in. It was a little too clunky, and so I got rid of it. Uh, I cut two lands, Rupture Spire and Transguild Promenade. The deck doesn't really need the fixing. It's only two colors. And these are some of the slowest lands that you can play out there, so I decided to just go ahead and cut those. Deck originally had 40 lands, now has 38. Personally, I would probably go down to 36 if I was building this deck, but I built it under the pretense that it is supposed to be for a newer player. So I uh, bumped the land count up. And also for uh, um, Explorer's Scope, you generally want more lands. Uh, Volcanic Fallout, uh, uncounterable spell, it's an instant, deals 2 damage to each creature and each player. Uh, useful against like aggro decks, but you don't really run into those all too often in Commander. And this just didn't really... It, it was kind of weird because Wild is a 2-2. So why would you want this thing that deals 2 damage to each creature and each player? Didn't make sense to me, so I got rid of it. Uh, Word of Seizing. Split second instant for 3 and 2 red. Uh, untapped target permanent and you gain control of it on the turn. It gains haste on the turn. Neat little combat trick. It can also grab like lands, so you can kind of like screw people over with that. But too niche. Didn't really make sense in the deck. It's gone. So, they are the cards that we decided to cut, but as Paul was saying all that, I kind of looked at the deck total amount, and there usually is about, obviously there's supposed to be 110 cards in this deck because we took 10 cards out and added 10 cards, but unfortunately when I imported the deck into Architect, it left out two cards, and I think they're a little bit important, so I'm just going to add them in right now. The first one is Master Warcraft. And that is two Hybrid Boros, Hybrid Boros for an instant that says cast this spell only before attackers are declared. You choose which creatures attack this turn, you choose which creatures block this turn, and how those creatures block. Um, I've never heard of this card before, probably for good reason. Uh, it would <laughs> it would probably come up pretty close on the next to cut list, right under Riled Ricochet. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, you could use this as removal kind of thing because you can remove the uses to like you know favorably block um sorry unfavorably block your opponents so that you know you made them kind of chump block all of their uh their combo pieces away or like their utility creatures into your big up big fatty beta but i mean you only really have one card one creature on board so you really just say you know none of your creatures are blocking my creatures attacking you're going to take the damage right um, and the next one is Relentless Assault. So Relentless Assault is the two red red sorcery that says untap all creatures that attack this turn. After this main phase, there was an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. Uh, I I get that they're trying to do the extra combats with Wildlith because you get to draw cars and whatever, but it feels like, I don't know, you would need to refine the deck a little more to make those things work, but just smashing them in the pre-con feels... Mm, I'm not really sure of the word I want to use for it. Feels, uh incoherent there we go that's a good word for it yeah that's a good one and then now that we've gotten those two cards out of the way because that was just that's my mistake i'll take that one on the chin and i will admit that yep that was my mistake i should have realized this before recording but we kind of threw them in there at the end now we have our 10 additions did you want to go over these one by one paul or did you want to go over, the, over these uh just as one giant big old package um i'll do the same thing i did with the cuts uh except okay. these cards i will actually read because there. You probably haven't heard of them, or they are new cards from Commander Legends. And I will say that I did overcompensate a little bit because 
I barely included new cards in the last list, and I also cut one of the only new cards that was in the deck. <laughs> so I do have a few of the newer cards here, but they're really good. Uh, so first up, we have Arden, Intrepid Archaeologist, 2 and a white for a 2-2 legendary creature. Core Scout also has partner if you're using as commander. We're not here. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may attach any number of auras and equipment you control to target permanent or player. Any number. Any number. All the equipment you have, all the auras you have, one dude. Done. And then you just swing. Really nice for when Wyleth gets killed. You bring him out. If you have equipment that gives haste, if you have Arden out, you just get to equip it all right away automatically, and then Wyleth gets to pretend like nothing ever happened to him and just swing. Uh, cheats you a lot of mana. On average, this will cheat you, if you have three equipment out, it'll cheat you about seven to nine mana, and mana cheating is one of the most powerful things you can do in the game. So really freaking good card. Uh, Armored Skyhunter, another really good card. Three and a white for a flying 3-3 Cat Knight. Uh, when it attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. It's a lot of cards. Uh, you may put an aura or equipment card from among them onto the battlefield. If it's an equipment, you get to attach it to a creature you control, uh, and then you put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Six cards is a lot, and with how many equipment and auras you're running in this deck, even at the base level, you're very likely to get a hit. Uh, this card is only a dollar. <laughs> it is a rare, and honestly, it is just if you're playing equipment or auras, this card should be in that deck. I would go so far as to say that. It's just like, it's almost a tutor. Because six cards, like, that that's really deep. You know, like, Dig Through Time is uh, seven cards, and you get to take two. This is one less card, and it's repeatable. Uh, Flicker Form. This is a form of protection. It's one and a white for an aura. Uh, you enchant a creature, obviously, and you pay two white and a white, and you get to exile the enchanted creature and all auras that are attached to it. And at the beginning of the next end step, you get to bring it back along with the auras that you exiled. So just a way of protecting your creature without actually losing the auras attached to it. By the way, that includes Flicker Form itself, so Flicker Form will return as well. Uh, next up, I have probably the most boring card on this list. Maybe second most boring. Uh, Grafted Exoskeleton. Four mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and infect. And whenever it becomes an unattached from a permanent, you sacrifice that permanent, but you don't really care about that. Uh, I know infect is like a, you know, poo-poo on you kind of playstyle, but one of the biggest problems with Voltron decks is they tend to be susceptible to life gain or, you know, whatever the case may be. And having to deal only a f like a finite amount of damage, even though commander damage is already 21, only having to deal 10 instead means that you don't have to work as hard for that win against that uh, particular player. Uh, next up, this is probably as boring as Grafted Exoskeleton, but not for the same reasons. But we have Hammer of Nizong, uh, one of the most popular equipments ever printed. Uh, four mana for a equipment with Equip 4. Whenever it or another equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you get to attach it to target creature you control. And Hammer of Nizong itself gives plus 2, plus 0, and indestructible to the equipped creature. So it lets you cheat mana. It cheats the mana itself. You just play it for 4 mana, and you get to equip it automatically. And then it does the same thing for any other equipment that enter after it. Really good card. Uh, one of the best equipment they've ever printed. Next up, we have Nomad Mythmaker. 2 and a white for a 2-2 human Nomad Cleric. Uh, you don't really care about its stats. You care about its activated ability, which is 1 white and tap. Uh, put target aura card in a graveyard. Could be an opponent's into play attached to a creature you control. Um, this actually gets around Hexproof and Shroud, if you should uh, happen to have it. Uh, but it, again, this is just, like I said, I wanted to address the issue of recursion, and this helps with that a lot. Next we have Open the Armory, which I'm shocked was not actually in the deck because it's in the set, 
uh, one and a white for a sorcery. Search your library for an ore or equipment. Reveal it. Put it in your hand. Then shuffle your library. Just a tutor. Um, again, I'm shocked that this deck wasn't playing it already. It's not an expensive card, so kind of unusual. Next up, to help out with the recursion, again, just a little more. I have uh, opened the vaults here for white, white for a sorcery, so six mana total. Return all artifact and enchantment cards from all graveyards to the battlefield under their owner's control. Yes, this helps your opponents. Do you care? Most of the time, no, because you get to get back like, you know, like six, seven equipment, three auras. You get to draw a couple cards. Uh, just a really powerful effect, especially in a deck or in a play style that uh, kind of mandates that you have some kind of recursion. And it's only a dollar. Uh, next up, we have a new card. Rayav Master Smith. Uh, red and a white for a 2-2. Legendary creature, Dwarf Artificer. Whenever a creature you control this enchanted or equipped attacks, that creature gains double strike until end of turn. Uh, another way of giving double strike. Again, Wildlith loves double strike. So we want to give it to him in as many different ways as we possibly can. Uh, finally here, we have Stone Hewer Giant. Uh, James was joking with me earlier that this is the bad Stoneforge Mystic. However, I don't really like to compare those because Stone Hewer Giant does, he functions a little differently. Uh, it's three white white for a 4-4 four, four Giant Warrior with Vigilance. Uh, you can pay one and a white and tap it, and you get to search your library for an equipment, put on the battlefield, and attach it to a creature you control all in one fell swoop and then shuffle your library. Uh, what I like about this card is that since it all happens in one ability, opponents don't get the chance to respond to the equipment being attached. So if you have something that gives protection from a color or something, you get to just go and get it in response to somebody's spell and then attach it, and they can't, they can't like change the target or you know, counter the equipment coming into play and attaching. And that's it. So <laughs> I hope that was coherent enough that everybody can make sense of my reasoning. James, feel free to uh, let me know if it wasn't. No, I think that was perfect. I was just uh, kind of entranced in, uh, in listening to you talking about the cards and the reasoning why. I had no real input into the cards that were added into this deck um, as I was currently running errands while Paul was doing all this for us. So I was just really intrigued at some of the cards that you put in there. And I think I wouldn't have put anything different in, in the deck besides maybe the boring stuff of like, you know, an arcane signet and a sort of the animus trying to help out, just trying to help out that, that ramp package a little bit. So but other than that, <laughs> I think your ability to like, throw in a lot of mana cheating is going to help out kind of not being not being able to ramp as, as efficiently as other decks right and i actually had sword of the animus in here i took it out mainly for budget reasons it's like an eight nine dollar card now um wow okay i didn't even think about that when i uh when i was going through it um however you'll notice that this deck does or the additions do come in like quite under budget everything that we just said is under 20 bucks by the way um the most expensive card being added here i think is hammer and design if i'm not mistaken it's like five bucks six bucks just an fyi james i did try to get a, a sword of blank and blank in here for you um <laughs> the closest one i could get was sword of war and peace it was 11 dollars, which actually you technically st could still fit in the budget uh but it would be the 11th card and so i cut it because it didn't really uh and that's contribute fair. much to i think energy. if you if you have a sort of you know whatever whatever and you want to put that in the deck i'd go for it i mean i have a couple of the swords and if i was put if i was to you know do anything different with the deck i would be adding my swords in there but i wouldn't be putting it towards the budget because i'm not going to say you have to have a sort of feast and famine or a you know sort of fire and ice or anything i mean like i said it kind of like uses discretion there is if you have the cards already and you want to play with those cards go for it 
but I'm not going to sit here and av advocate for people to go pick up a pre-con and then add a $50 card into it to be like, yep, now that deck is, you know, one card isn't going to change the power level of a deck from a 7 to an 8. Right, and the changes that uh, that we made here are, again, just to help, like, the, the, the parts of the deck that really needed some assistance, like the recursion, I put a couple bits more in there. Uh, because of the lack of ramp, uh, there is a lot more... Not a lot more, but there's some mana cheating here to help with the consistency of your draws. There's some tutors in here. Um, there are, are there are a lot of cards I actually wound up having to cut because we're only talking about 10. But uh, Rebecca, which is one of the new cards from Commander Legends, uh, would also be very good in here. Um, Masterwork of Ingenuity would be pretty good in here. Um, there's, you know, there's just, there's a lot of ways to take it. And what we have here is essentially for less than the price of the deck. You can add 10 cards that automatically uh, improve it, uh, not dramatically, but noticeably. Like if you were to take these 10 cards out and put the ones I just said in, uh, it would be noticeably more impactful at the table, I think. Yeah, and with that, we're going to come to a close on this deck tech and this little mini-series that we started with the new Commander Legends uh, pre-cons. We'll do this again for the next set that comes out. And I think because they're going to be doing new deck techs, oh, sorry, they're going to be doing new decks with every single set, you can probably know this is going to become a regular thing for us. We'll do our little upgrade uh, submissions, selections, kind of uh, thoughts about the decks and everything. And uh, if you want to give us your thoughts about that, you can do that on Twitter. And you can find us on Twitter at CMDR at Arms. We also have the Instagram where you can text us there as well. I do the Cracker Pack series. I like to crack into a lot of the collector's packs and get all the shiny blingy stuff and new packs and sets and everything i'm going to try and get my hands on some commander legends packs and crack those on there you can find it at commander.at.arms and if you can't get us on any of those you can email us directly with your deck submissions your deck text and your episode submissions you can do that at commander at arms pod at gmail.com we also have a way another a new way of supporting the show and that was that is with our tcg affiliate link now below, I will have our natural link. This goes to the homepage of TCG Player. I'll also have a link to the list where you can buy these upgrades. And I'll also have a list, uh, sorry, I'll also have a link where you can pick up the pre-con from TCG Player. We have brand new merch. So you can rep the Commander at Arms logo on your chest. Show everybody your love and passion for this podcast as much as we love and everyone who out there who listens to this podcast as well. And if you want to support us directly, you can do that on patreon.com slash commander at arms. And I think that is everything. This is actually our 30th episode. <laughs> um, yep. So I just want to thank everybody for listening this long. If you haven't listened this long, and if not, if you're just tuning in for the 30th episode, it happens to be for coincidence. Uh, thank you for listening anyway. It means a lot to me and James. This is something that we just do for fun. And, you know, whoever just wants to join along and listen in, uh, we're very appreciative of you doing so. I want to, again, just extend thanks to everybody as well. And with that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the new episode of the Commander Arms podcast. Peace. See ya. Peace.